Camp Fear, the podcast, is a PTL Books and Pathological Inc. production. Hello, campers. Welcome to Camp Fear, where you bring your fears and leave in tears. Now, come closer. No, closer still. Yeah, stay warm here by the fire. I want to tell you a story. You like stories, don't you? I love stories. And do you know what makes the best kinds of stories? The ones that are true. And I only tell true stories. So listen up, because today I'm going to tell you a story about a girl who isn't like other girls. A girl who's a little strange, who people like to call weirdo. A girl who just wants one thing, to be adopted. And Stephanie is in luck, because that time might finally have come. Only the family that is adopting her isn't exactly the type she was hoping for. So, sit back and relax and enjoy this true story I like to call MUD. Part 1 Weirdo My name is Stephanie, but everyone calls me Weirdo. I don't mind that much. I've been called worse. I think that anybody who has lived in three different orphanages before their 10th birthday has been called worse. My birthday. In two days, it'll be my birthday and I'll turn 10. Normally, birthdays in an orphanage aren't that special. Sure, everybody sings for you and you get a special cupcake, but you don't get any presents. But Secret Heart Orphanage isn't like other orphanages. It's different. Not the walls or the building or even the kids. The walls are bare, the building dirty, and the kids are mean. The couple that run the place, Peter and Shelley O'Neill, are nice, if a little strange. But they're not what makes Sacred Heart Orphanage different. What makes it different is that in this place, on your 10th birthday, you get a present. A special present. The most important present a girl could ask for. You get adopted. I'm not joking, but I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that it is a joke, even though I just told you I'm not joking. Wanna know how I know? Because I've seen it. I've been at Sacred Heart Orphanage for three years, and during that time, five girls have turned 10 years old. And on each of their 10th birthdays, They were adopted. So in two days, it will be my 10th birthday. In two days, I'll be adopted too. Peter and Shelley promised. I'm more than excited. I'm so excited I can almost scream. I've always dreamed of having a family, a big family, one that calls me anything but weirdo. But today, it's Rachel's birthday. And she's turning 10, which means she'll be adopted. Yes, even Rachel, even mean Rachel, will be adopted. I hope she goes to a mean family. Or not. She'd probably like that. She'd fit right in. Stephanie, we're going to have a cupcake for Rachel. I look up from my book and see Shelley O'Neill standing in the doorway of my room. She's a nice lady with short blonde hair and a gentle face. Stephanie? Yes, I'll be right there. I just want to finish this chapter. Shelley smiles at me and leaves. 
She knows how much I love my books. And that's what I do. I finish the chapter, then make my way down to the hallway, towards the noise. The happy noise. There are eight girls in the small room where we eat breakfast. They're all surrounding Rachel, who's smiling from ear to ear. In the center of the table is a cupcake, and on the cupcake is a single candle. I look at the flame as it dances back and forth, listening to the sound of their voices as they all sing happy birthday. I don't sing. One time, at a previous orphanage, I was told that I have a nice voice. But I don't sing for Rachel, because she's mean. I wait for the song to end, then I get out of my chair and start walking back to my room. I want to finish my book. It's just starting to get good. Stephanie, don't you want to say bye to Rachel? She's getting adopted today. You should be happy for her. It'll be your turn really soon. I look at Peter O'Neill. He's smiling. I'm not sure if this is because he's excited that one of us is getting adopted, or if he's just glad to get rid of us. It doesn't matter to me. I look at Rachel. She's still smiling too, but it's a mean smile. Bye, Rachel. The girl says nothing in return, so I give a little wave and then walk back to my room. I'm glad that Rachel's leaving. One less person to call me weirdo. I sit on my bed and reach for my book. Only, it isn't there. What the heck? My book is not on my bed where I left it. I look beneath my pillow, under the covers, and then finally in the small dresser where I like to keep what little personal belongings I have. It's not there either. I stand up, my brow furrowing, as I glance all about the room. I remember when Shelly came in and asked me to say goodbye to Rachel, that I put it right here, on my bed. I hear a laugh and turn around. <laughs> Rachel is standing there with her arms over her chest, still smiling her mean smile. What's wrong, weirdo? Lose something? My book! Where's my book? I think maybe you left it outside. Left it? Come on, Rachel. You don't want to keep your new family waiting, do you? Peter and Shelly hook arms with Rachel and pull the grinning girl away from my room. When they're gone, I look out my window. It's there, of course. Rachel put my book in a tree, of all things. I can't believe it. Normally, on any other day, this wouldn't be that big of a deal. After all, Secret Heart is an orphanage, not a prison. But today, it is a big deal. Because you see, the one rule about birthdays is that no one is allowed outside except for the girl being adopted. Peter and Shelley told us that this is very important. So important that breaking this rule might put our own adoption in jeopardy. They explained that this is because they don't want the new family to be overwhelmed by all the girls. Feelings of guilt for not taking more of us or something like that. But I need my book. I take a deep breath, knowing that I'm going to be in so much trouble if I get caught. But I also know that I need to read my book. I have to. I want the best part. The part when the kidnapped girl gets away. Or does she? It's not just a regular book either. It's something that one of my friends gave me. One of the few friends that I've ever had. Her name was Emily. And she turned 10 a few years ago. Before she was adopted, she told me I had to read it. And if Emily were still here, 
she'd tell Rachel to leave me alone. Before she was adopted, no one called me a weirdo. They wouldn't dare. At least not to my face. So, I take another deep breath, open my window, and break one of Sacred Heart's only rules. I go outside on Rachel's 10th birthday. Part 2. Birthday It's cold out, not freezing, but cold enough that I wish I brought my jacket. But I won't be out for long. I just need to get my book, and I'll be back inside. No one will ever know. I crawl out the window, jump to the ground, which is only a few feet down, and then make my way over to the tree. I'm not the best climber. I'm not even a good climber. But when I jump up to try to reach the book, my finger only grazes the cover. I jump again. This time, I don't even touch it. I have no choice but to climb, which is probably what Rachel wanted. Shaking my head, I place my feet against the bark and start to shimmy up. It's not all that high. When I get halfway to the branch that my book sits on, I start to shake a little bit. I'm scared. I want to stop. I want to get down. I want to go back inside my room and wait until Peter and Shelley return from dropping Rachel off with her new family. And then I'll tell them what Rachel did, and maybe they'll get my book for me. But then I hear Rachel's voice inside my head, calling me a weirdo. Weirdo! And I use this as fuel. I wrap my arms around the trunk and pull myself up until I reach the first branch. Then I slide along it and grab my book. I'm proud of myself, but before I can even smile, I slip. For one terrifying second, I think I'm going to fall. I open my mouth to cry out, but stop myself when I see them. Shelley and Peter and Rachel. They're all in a line, holding hands, smiling. I manage not to scream, and I also manage to catch my balance. I tuck my book into the back of my pants and then climb down the tree, which is much easier than climbing up. I know that I should go back to my room, that I should follow the rules. They can't stop staring at Shelley and Peter and Rachel. We're walking towards the woods. There's only one road in and out of Sacred Heart Orphanage, and it's nowhere near the woods. Why are they going that way? Why isn't Rachel's new family meeting them in front of the parking lot, near the road? Many questions race through my mind, but I don't have any time to properly think them over. I'm worried, yes, but I'm also a curious nine, soon-to-be ten-year-old girl. With the book still tucked into my pants, I slowly walk towards the woods. Twice on my way there, Peter looks back, and I'm pretty sure he sees me, even though I jump behind the nearest tree each time. But if he sees me... He doesn't say anything. He just walks faster. Where are they going? Confused, I follow them deeper into the woods. At this time of year, there are very few leaves, which makes it easier to keep my eye on them. After about five minutes, they reach some sort of clearing. I've been in these woods many times before, but I've never seen this area. What are they doing? As I watch, Peter and Shelley hug Rachel say something I can't hear, and leave her in the clearing. I start walking toward me, and I almost panic. I want to jump out from behind the tree and run, but I don't. I stand there, hidden out of sight, 
as Shelley and Peter walk by without slowing. I wonder what they said to her to make Rachel stand in the middle of the forest on her own. After Shelley and Peter are out of sight, I turn my attention back to Rachel. She's still smiling, but it's not a mean smile anymore. It's a worried smile. Time goes by, a minute, maybe five, I can't be sure. But eventually, the sky starts to darken. Strange, because it's not even night yet. I always remember the adoptions happening around lunchtime. And that was about the time when I left the orphanage. It can't be night yet, but it is getting darker. After a while, I start to hear a buzzing sound. I look up and immediately realize that the darkness isn't because the sun is going down. It's because something is blocking it out. A shape, like a giant plate, appears out of nowhere. What is that? Is it a plane of some sort? A spaceship? Rachel must have seen it too, because she starts to back up, moving towards me, although not on purpose. The buzzing gets louder, so loud that I have to cover my ears. And then the lights start. Flashing blue and red lights start filling the forest. I hear the sound of a door opening and look up just in time to see a beam of light reach the ground. And carried in that beam are two figures. They are long and thin, and while they have humanoid shapes, a head, two arms, two legs, their proportions are all wrong. Their hands are too long, coming almost to their shins, and their heads too large and too round. Rachel screams and draws my attention, and then she starts to run. I know it's in my best interest just to stand there, not to move. When Rachel starts running, so do I. Weirdo! I'm in front of Rachel, running as fast as I can, but I can hear her behind me, gaining on me. And so is that strange buzzing sound. Getting louder and louder and louder, and I slip. I don't know if I told you this, but in addition to being weird and curious, I'm also pretty clumsy. I lose my footing and fall into a big pile of mud. When I try to get up, I slip again, and before I know it, I'm completely covered in mud from head to toe. It's cold, and all I want to do is get back up, but I can't. The most I can manage is to roll onto my back, just in time to see Rachel run right by me without slowing. She doesn't say anything. She doesn't offer to help me up. She just runs. And she's being followed. The two long gray creatures reach me before they reach Rachel. I see their huge black eyes and cover my face with my hands. I expect them to grab me, but when nothing happens, I peek through my fingers. They're still there, staring at me, but they don't seem to see me. Their eyes are blank and don't move. The almond-shaped holes in their face one must be their nose, start to get larger, however. They're trying to smell me, I realize. This is it. I'm going to be abducted the day before my 10th birthday. The day before I'm adopted. But after a few seconds of sniffing, the grave figures turn to leave. When I can no longer see them, I let out my breath in a loud whoosh. But I still don't move. And I'm glad that I'm stuck in the mud because a few seconds later, they return. Only, they're not alone this time. Their long arms and even longer fingers are wrapped around Rachel. The girl has her head down and isn't smiling anymore. 
She's crying. Hey campers, it's P.T. Logan, the writer and creator of Camp Fear. And I'm here with... Abby Logan, the soothing voice you hear. Each Camp Fear episode takes between 20 and 30 hours to make, from writing, to recording, to mastering. If you're enjoying this story and want to continue hearing more stories, please consider supporting the show. You can do this by heading to www.patreon.com slash campfearpodcast. With your parents' permission, of course. By supporting the show, you not only ensure that we'll continue to make more episodes, but you'll also get special perks. Like ad-free episodes, so you don't have to hear my dad's voice again. One more time, that's www.patreon.com slash campfearpodcast. See you there, campers! Part 3. Mud After an hour of nearly freezing in the mud, the buzzing stops. A little while later, the sun reappears and I gather all the courage I have to get up. It's easier now that the mud is a little harder. I want to go looking for Rachel, but I also want to go back to the orphanage and tell them what happened. Tell them about Rachel's strange new family. Staying low, I scurry back to the orphanage, stumbling three times and falling twice, but I make it there. I don't go back through the window to my room, but instead, I burst through the front door. (gasps) Help! Help! (gasps) Help! Peter O'Neill gets to me first. What's wrong? Stephanie, why are you covered in mud? I open my mouth to answer, but before I could speak, Peter's expression goes hard. You went outside, didn't you? Gasping, I finally find the words. (sighs) Yes, yes, but I have to tell you something. Peter, I saw, I saw... What did I see exactly? Two aliens come from the sky and kidnap Rachel? That they're her new family? They'll never believe me. I wouldn't even believe me. I'm not even sure if that actually happened. And if they thought I was weird before... You went outside, Stephanie. You know that you're not supposed to go outside when it's someone's 10th birthday. Instead of saying anything, I just start to shake all over. Peter places a comforting hand on my shoulder and directs me to the shower. There, as I wash my body free of mud, I begin to consider what I witnessed. And then it occurs to me, Peter and Shelley know about the abduction. That's why they brought Rachel to the clearing in the first place. Which means that all the other girls... Yes? You know the rules, Stephanie. I'm sorry to do this, but you're going to have to stay in your room until tomorrow. Peter is waiting outside the bathroom when I emerge, and he immediately forces me to go into my room. But I don't... Peter shakes his head. You shouldn't have gone outside. That's the only rule here at Sacred Heart Orphanage. But, but, I saw... Peter squeezes my shoulder. What did you see? You know what? Don't answer that. Uh, It was cold out and you weren't properly dressed. Probably just your mind playing tricks on you. I, I... Please don't make this difficult. You have a big day tomorrow. It's your birthday. Before I could protest further, Peter closes and locks the door to my room, trapping me inside. For as long as I've been in foster care, I've only wanted one thing, to be adopted. But now, 
Now I'm not so sure. In my mind, I picture the almond-shaped holes in the creature's faces. No, I'm sure. I'm sure I want to get the heck out of here as fast as possible. I hurry to the window, but when I try to open it, it's stuck. I try a second time and a third, but it still won't open. Peter or Shelley must have done something to it, locked it or nailed it closed. I flop onto my bed and start to cry. And then, as time passes, I do the only thing that I'm good at. I read. I read my book about a young girl who gets kidnapped and then later escapes. And before I fall asleep, I come up with a plan. They're singing for me, for my birthday. Their voices are not as cheerful as they were for Rachel, but at least everyone is singing and nobody is calling me weirdo. I'm sitting with a fake smile on my face as I blow out my candle and eat the cupcake. It actually tastes pretty good. As I say my goodbyes, Peter and Shelley, who are acting completely normal as if nothing had happened yesterday, wrap their arms around me. Can I take my book with me? I ask as they lead me down the hall and towards the front door. I only have a few pages left, and I want to see if the girl gets away. No, I'm sorry, but don't worry. I bet your new family will have plenty of books. Yeah, sure. Like how to dissect a human. Like with Rachel, Peter and Shelley don't bring me to the parking lot, but guide me in the direction of the woods. Nobody says anything until we reach the clearing. Your new family will be here any minute, Stephanie. Just stay here. It's important that you stay here and remain perfectly still. You're gonna love them. Shelley and Peter hug me, and we say goodbye. And then they leave. I bow my head, watch them disappear, and then close my eyes. When I open them again, I realize it's darker outside. And the buzzing sound returns. The circular craft in the sky is back. And when I see the very first flickering light, I run. But not like Rachel. I can never run as fast as Rachel. And if she couldn't get away, then there's no chance that I can escape. In my book, the girl escaped by hiding in plain sight. I'm not sure if she got caught again. I didn't get to finish the book. But it was a good plan. A plan that I'm going to copy. As the buzzing sound continues to get louder, I find the mud pile from yesterday, only this time I don't slip. This time, I deliberately drop to my knees and scoop the mud in my palms. I rub it on my face, my hair, legs, arms, my entire body. When the buzzing almost deafens me and the lights nearly blind me, I follow my back and stare upward while remaining perfectly still. The figures have returned. It's impossible for me to know if they're the same as yesterday, but they sure look the same. They have the same gray skin, same long arms and fingers, same big bald heads. They come within a few feet of me and I see them sniffing the air, sniffing for their newest family member. One of the creatures reaches out for me and I almost scream, but before their bony fingers touch my skin, they pull back. The buzzing continues, but the figures slowly start to retreat. I watch as they seem to glide across the ground to the clearing. When they're in the center, where I was standing less than 10 minutes ago, a powerful beam of light shoots down from the spaceship. The figures are reduced to shadows as they are lifted into the craft. And then the lights blink out 
the buzzing stops, and the ship is gone. The plan worked. I can't believe it. Just like in the book, my plan... A hand comes down on my shoulder, and this time I do scream. I scramble to my feet, expecting to see Peter or Shelley or one of those aliens behind me. But it's none of these. It's a girl. She looks to be about my age, maybe a few years older. And like me, she's covered in mud. Hi. Hi, who? The girl blinks, and I realize that I know her. It's Emily, my friend who gave me the book about the girl who hides in plain sight. She smiles. I see you read the book. Emily, is that... Shh, we don't use our real names here, just in case they come back. They? Who are... Shh. And that's when I see them. Emily isn't alone. There are four others, all young girls, all covered in mud, just behind her. And they're staring at me. I know you always wanted a big family, and this probably isn't what you had in mind. But how would you feel about joining us? My eyes go from one girl to the next, and I slowly nod. She's right. This isn't what I had in mind. But it wasn't that bad either. I... I would like that. Good. But first, we need to give you a name. Emily looks at the others, then back at me. How about Mud? I think we'll call you Mud. For some reason, this makes me smile. Mud. It's a strange name, but it's not a bad name. Besides, anything is better than calling me weirdo. Well, campers, I hope you've enjoyed this true story. I know I have. Stephanie finally got what she wanted be adopted and to have a family of her own. It's a happy ending, right? Oh, Rachel. Mean Rachel? Don't feel bad for her. She got adopted too. <laughs> well, maybe it isn't the family she dreamed of either, but we don't get to pick our families, do we? Yes, my name. You still haven't figured that out, have you? Oh my. I told you already, it's in the title. I'll see you next week, campers. In the meantime, do yourself a favor and remember that maybe being weird isn't such a bad thing after all. If Stephanie hadn't been so strange and stuck in a book all the time, who knows what might have happened to her. Camp Fear, where you bring your fears and leave in tears. Camp Fear, the podcast, is a PTL Books and Pathological Inc. production. Story and audio editing by Patrick Logan. Vocals by Abby Logan. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. Campers, you can also email host at campfearpodcast.com and share your worst fear. You never know, one day you might be featured in your very own Camp Fear story. You can also visit our website, www.campfearpodcast.com, to get your own Camp Fear merchandise and to grab the Camp Fear books. Copyright Patrick Logan, 2021. All rights reserved.